Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Toughcast. I am sitting here with a group of people that are quite smart and talk about Minnesota United quite a bit because I wanted to spare you 30 minutes of me just crying into a microphone with a cup of whiskey I had, which already had me screw up some of our audio, but at least one of our people is smart enough to help with audio problems because he's been on tour. Yeah. Hey, this is Wes Berdine. It's uh, thank you, Notch, for having me here. How was your tour? I was good. I mean, yeah, it was, it was gr- good, nice and short. We went to uh, the East Coast, and then we came back, and then we went to Winnipeg this past weekend. So I watched cool. this game uh, in the in the van on my phone, basically between Fargo and Minneapolis. That reminds me of the drive to, I think, our away game. I forget if it was Kansas City or Indy 11. It must have been Kansas City where we were watching the World Cup games yes, on a laptop. On, yeah. And we were watching Spain versus Netherlands. And that game where Spain just got spanked yeah. on a crappy connection. And yeah. the back of the bus had a, had a faster stream than the front of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and then Minnesota lost in Kansas City. True. <laughs> Thanks for taking us there, Nash. <laughs> All right. Who else is here? Uh, my name is David. I'm offensive loons fan. Uh, you know, I got a great start this year listening to Dunord podcast and kind of regurgitating those insights uh, on my own page. So it was good. So now you got to regurgitate your own insights and hope that they can stand up on their own. Uh, ever since uh, the Dunord podcast stopped, regurgitation is all it's been. So yeah. well, you can just we'll give you some new. New stuff. New insights to regurgitate. Repeat yeah. everything I say tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that may be what happens, yeah. We'll be taking a transcript over here. Uh, I'm Jeff, still. Um, In our now, uh, it was our hour and a half. I think now this is our three of Jeff's presence recording here, sitting in the same room as me, which is more than most people can tolerate. Yeah. He's really the Boone's Farm of vocalists. I, you know, that's high praise. I think Pitchfork first coined that one. Um, called me the Boone's Farm of Minnesota United Podcasting. So yeah, it's good to good to provide the uh, the early start into podcasting. I'm sitting in the middle of the couch, and to my left is... I'm Bruce McGuire, and uh, I brought the Schweppervescence and the dulcet tones, and I'm going to do my best to try and remember the season and, and not be as dour as notches. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always think of you as bringing the sunshine to the room. <laughs> <laughs> I have been. I've had it's all a, relative. <laughs> I've had a couple of episodes where I've just been mad. I've been really, really mad. But let's start with something that I wasn't mad about, which was the expectations at the start of the year. We had this was the season that after we went to the semifinal. This was the season where. We had a player on the U.S. men's national team. We had a guy who had just put in 20 goals. And what were we thinking was going to happen at the start of this year? Well, for me, the minimum was 2014. Minimum was recreate that, which is win some trophies and compete in the championship. And, uh, And if you go out, have it be some bastard referee who creates a new rule. So that was that was like the minimum level I was going with. It had to be above above that. I at the end of last season I had Brian Coleman approach myself and Jim Oliver and say if we can go out for you guys and win the spring, win the fall and win the cup, will you two guys shave off your beards? And I said, "Hell yeah." Now, unfortunately in my mind, I was saying there's no chance that's going to happen, so my beard is safe. But 
I appreciated the fact that a player on the team wanted to put that forward. That's good. Um, you know, I expect I expected similar to Wes, I think, which I, as I've established, I'm only going to say what he says. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, ex- I expected a lot of attacking. Uh, you think about the signings. We'll get to the signings, but I think about the people that we brought in. We were excited about them when it started off. Uh, I thought Sammy could be an answer with, you know, Matty Ice leaving and stuff. And um, um, I expected a lot of success. I expected silver. I expected to be competitive in the U.S. Open Cup, too. I was looking forward to that. True enough. I, I, actually, I think just in general, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of feeling that this was it. This was going to be the year. And do you think that's what happened? Did, did it all go to plan? Did, was this the year? For all of you, you've now laid out what you were thinking at the start. Did that go to plan? Well, if Wes said that he wanted the same exact thing as minimum as 2014, he got it. Because we got the exact same season. Okay. Except they didn't win the spring. But fade the last month. The last month of the year, mm-hmm. and then losing the semifinal, it was almost a mirror image of 2014. Unfortunately, down to the uh, the road trip to Indy in the middle of the month and everything. I mean, it, yeah. it did follow that script um, pretty much to a T. Um, in some regards, as far as successes and what I thought went well, I would say that the uh, the handling of the very predictable sale of Miguel Ibarra went relatively quite well. I think it yeah. ended well for the club with what we know. Um, and I think he ended up actually in a good spot, ended up scoring in a game that put Club Leon into the final for Liga MX, and he's back in the national team picture still. So for him personally and for the club, I thought that went pretty well. No, they got more than anyone could ever expect out of that sale. It was great. Yeah. It was a great bit of business for the team. Yeah. We're getting but, ahead of ourselves, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, I mean, I don't think that they met my ex- expectations, which was at least atrophy and um atrophy was what yeah they did <laughs> atrophy yeah, and yeah. and we did get the flyover cup yeah oh yeah thank god because <laughs> yeah. really really some bragging rights over uh edmonton is really what we were looking for um but the 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 fact is they went out in the semifinal, and we can talk about the game but they went out um because they weren't very good i, I mean you could would I take Tom Heineman on my team? No. I would take... There's four or five other strikers in the league I would take over him. Um, and somehow he made Tiago look like the old man that Tiago is. And yeah, I, I think that you, if you went player by player, except for Pizer or Pizer, um there are very few players from that Ottawa team I would take over Minnesota. And yet, they looked poor. It's funny you said you take you you take a lot of strike. I would take the two Fort Lauderdale strikers strikers oh, over Tom Heineman yeah. for for <laughs> Minnesota United. But I, I mean, I think for as for expectations, I mean, they didn't meet mine at all. I mean, I was in hype city at the start of the year. I was being cautious in public and kind of playing down things. But I thought this was going to be a knockout, and that's not quite where it went. Now, but the reason is what did go to plan though? What did we see that things that we expected to have happen and. Or went well for this team this year? You know, um, 
you're talking about Ottawa and talking about you, there's there's not a lot of particular players who take over our players, but they got it done. They got it done for most of the season. Is the ultimate example of uh, of the the whole being better than the sum of the parts. And I think for Minnesota, the opposite was true that we have uh, uh, each individual like should it makes sense should add up to this great picture, but that connection was never there. Um, there was a lot of fluidity to the formations until we kind of started to get comfortable in the fall, uh, which was which was good. Um, but uh, you look at Ottawa, one of the key stats that stood out to me, you talked about Tiago. Tiago put in every single minute on the pitch until he eventually got the yellow card accumulation in the fall that had a missing game. Up till then, he had had every single minute he had played. There were only at that time four other players who had played every single available minute to them. Three of them were on Ottawa's lineup at that point, and that was late in the season. That consistency, uh, uh, the way they connect with each other, uh, made them better than they were individually. Wasn't Justin Davis pretty much at that same level too, though? Yeah, he was, he was a couple of minutes shy of every single minute. But yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that did go to plan was Sammy Najok. Sammy Najok came in. He was hyped up to be Cameroon's number three at the World Cup. He was going to be amazing. He's going to come in and have a set of athleticism, a great replacement for Van Okel, and he was. Right up until the semifinal. He had a couple of games where you thought, well, this is crazy, like the, the final game of this regular season. But... For the most part, I think he adjusted quite well into playing for Minnesota. If we forget the first maybe eight games, <laughs> the spring season, I think. Yeah, if we forget the spring season, uh, which, which Ottawa would like everyone to forget the spring season too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they sure finished enough. ninth. Yeah, you know, yeah, they finished ninth in the spring. Let's keep that in mind. Right. You know, I, I, for me, and I, I think Wes might disagree. I think that um, Ibsen was somebody who came into his own. I don't think he started as hot as he could have. It might have just been the. Uh, effect of the whole team really not performing as well as they needed to. But I, I think Ibsen came into his own, and, and I thought Ibsen was one of our best players on balance. I, I'd have to say the same about Sammy, that he grew into the kind of player we wanted that's good enough uh, uh, in a sense, but um, uh, I don't think he, he did what we was brought on to do, which was really to benefit our back line, which ended up being a liability. And that sweeper-keeper thing we hoped he could do well turned out to be his liability and didn't shield the back line at all. We'll, we'll come to liabilities in a second. I'm glad you brought up <laughs> Ibsen, though. Because, again, he was another guy who, up until his injury in the spring season, there were a lot of questions. A lot of people on uh, online media being like, who is this guy? Why is he so hyped up? Why, you know, his pedigree Champions League. That's what we all heard. But then, I think after he came back from that short break... None of those people were me, by the way. We kept on saying, are you kidding me? He's amazing. Watch yeah. him play. Yep. Even when... yeah, he The whole season, he was amazing. I think that he has problems with his game... And he creates problems for the team tactically that the rest of the team has to adjust to. But he is undeniably uh, the most talented player on the on the team. He's, He's the most talented player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to... He would start for every MLS team. Yeah. He's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I would say then, if we're talking about expectations and what went well, they did play some really impressive possessing football. And that was really fun to watch at, at times. Um, but I think that the problem, the central, that is directly related to the liability, which is that um, when when other teams wouldn't let, let them boss them around, uh, they just played down. And they, they, they looked arrogant out there at times. And I think that can be demonstrated in Tiago and Ibsen, who are both amazing players, but who, particularly in that Ottawa game, um, looked uh, looked up 
surprised that this other team would show up and play against them. So let's, I mean, let's move on from what went to plan to... Actually, no, I, okay, I, go I ahead. haven't even had a say yet here. Yeah, go, on, go, 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 go. I'm go. the elder here. <laughs> Respect me. Uh, I think the thing that went best to plan was what Manny Lagos has tried to do the whole time he's been coach here, and that's have the fullbacks attack. And it's never been better than it was this year. You know, you, you can find faults in both fullbacks' games. Kevin Venegas on the right, Justin Davis on the left, but man, oh man, oh man. When those guys were on fire, this team was unstoppable. And and I think that's the best that it's ever been in the Lagos era for the fullbacks. And I want to echo that too. That was something that I had written down as being a huge success. To a point, though, where it worried me when either of them had to miss time. Um, not as much on the right side. Coleman did a, a decent job on the right side. But on the left side, you had Tyler Pollock come in for that game in Indy um, in October. And... Um, it didn't look like there was a contingency plan in case either of them had to miss any time. You, that said, part of that was because they suddenly looked irreplaceable. Well, the contingency plan to. on the left was supposed to be um, Cristiano Diaz. But then they made this weird, crazy roster move to bring in extra guys, and suddenly he's off the roster. And he's no, now, now they have no left back. Well, they could have thrown Vela back there, because I'm pretty sure Vela has at times played as a left back. Because um, I think Manny, Manny said that. Him coming in, but well, I mean, yeah. the other place that hurt them was in the open. <coughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was going to say. This was before Vela even came in. Yeah. By the way, is it Vela or Vela? Vela, Vela. Yeah, two two L's together would be Vela. Okay, one L's Vela. I just want to say because I was, I went to Mexico. I'm not from here. I'm from India. And seriously, I got so much. This was my second year in the U.S. I got so much stick for saying quesadilla, and since then it's been like. <laughs> Every time, you just, no, just you know. every time there's an L in Spanish, I'm just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> My tongue just disappears. So, Quesadilla. Quesadilla. Yeah. Seriously, that and Guadalajara, I, oh my god, this is still like PTSD, man. I'm never going to go to that airport ever again. Uh, not going to happen. Guadalajara. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out to you guys, and you can agree or disagree with this. Um, a couple of you said Ibsen is the best player on our team. I'm going to throw out the hypothesis that Justin Davis is actually the best player on the team after a guy who left, Ibarra. And it, J- Justin, as far as impact on the field goes, Davis was had one of the biggest. Justin Davis had the best year, but I don't think he's the best player. I think Ibsen is, is the most talented player. But J- Davis, had, Davis was the only one who had lights out year. I, I would give him a nine on the year. Yeah, there's a difference between being the highest impact player and being the best player. I think those are two different questions. Um, Davis may have been, you say, I think, and you said it, uh, I think he's certainly the most irreplaceable. That has as much to do with our roster as it does with his ability. But yeah, he had a fantastic year. Um, Ibsen, if I'm if I'm in elementary school and I get to be the team captain and I get to pick sides, I'll pick Ibsen first. This is a good way to put it, actually. I like this metaphor. If you're picking for today, I think you go Ibsen first. If hypothetically, you're building a roster partly off of players you have, partly off of other players for a, a version of the team within two, three years or so, I think Davis is higher up that list purely because of age as well and position scarcity. I think it's easier to bring in a center midfielder and hope he can fit into a system than find a left back that you trust to be able to do those attacking runs and go back into some recovery defense. See, I think if they can keep Ibsen, the team can be better with him next year because they've learned. Where I think Jason Davis, Justin Davis, is playing as good as he's ever going to play, you know. 
He had yeah. a great year. I agree with Wes completely. He was by far the MVP of the team. But I don't see him being better than that in the future unless he improves his defense dramatically. That's the one place he can improve. Yeah. Maybe he will. He, he wasn't make he, me wrong. He wasn't helped. He and Venegas were not helped by Ibsen in part because Ibsen strayed too much. And you know, we talked about Jeff you said Minnesota was unstoppable when they got up the wings, but guess what happened? The the fullbacks were stopped in the Ottawa game and they I mean Venegas and Davis maybe got forward twice, uh, you know. And 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 that was in part because I think the tactics of Ottawa but also players like Ibsen moving too far out to the wing and then it's crowded and they can't bomb forward. Maybe, but th- that happened the whole season, so why didn't Minnesota's tactics adjust? Because they know what Ottawa can do. And you're going against Ottawa, who had the best defense in the league, certainly in the fall, which is what really matters as far as momentum goes. Well, they had some success against Ottawa in the fall. That I mean, it, there was a, the, the first game we played in the fall was a, a draw, but I think we were the better team. Second game, they won. They probably thought uh, that they could get by with similar kinds of tactics, and Maybe Ottawa learned better lessons than Minnesota did. Clearly. So, so let's get away from talking about a single game and get back to the season. And I, I am going to now try to move on to what went wrong. Where we think... <laughs> <laughs> as guffaws break out. Uh, uh, yeah, well, so... I mean, to get rid of the obvious one very quickly, very first, Johnny Steele. That went wrong. Uh, the team printed a lot of jerseys. I met, with I his, met his youth coach the other night. Did, really? Yeah. Remember I was talking about that bar I went to with the Nicaraguan girl and the, uh, uh, I met Johnny Steele's youth coach there. He had nothing but negative things to say about him. Where did you go? Where were you? (laughs) It's a tale for another night. Were you in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're like, so some youth coach from Northern Ireland was in a bar in... In Prior Lake. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah, I sat down. I had my I had my jersey on, my uh, offensive loons fan, a Minnesota United jersey, and uh, I can't do an Irish accent, but uh, in barely in, could he barely understandable English. He uh, so he asked if I liked United, and he said he used to coach Johnny Steele. Uh, we're talking like U twelve or something like that. And said uh, he's done. Said he's not going anywhere. Wow. Okay. Are you sure this guy wasn't some guy who was just like, I'm going to make up a tall tale with a funny accent, can, and this guy uh, who's too bombed is going to believe everything I I might say. have been too bombed. Maybe I didn't, maybe none of this stuff happened. It's uh, just a vivid memory. I, it re- no, it really did, and and, uh, and you're right, Johnny Steele yeah. was obviously a low point, not the only low point, not, I, I don't know if he was the lowest low point, but he was, he was a very, very low low point. Well, what it was, was it? I thought it was a big mistake, bringing him in. Yeah. Right. We've seen yeah. this for years, this isn't new. Yeah. The guy's playing on a different team every year for 12 straight seasons. I mean, how? why would you bring a guy like that in to a quote-unquote team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they brought in three attacking midfield players, and he was easily the third best of the three, along with Khalif Al-Hassan and then Ibsen, who we've already talked about. And so where, where do you see him fitting in when, of your acquisitions who fit something of a role in an offense, he's the third best, not counting anyone else you had on the roster? Uh, he's a more talented player than Khalif is. I mean, they went for him because he's a very talented player, and he showed that, but he's also a son of a bitch, and he's a basket case. But he showed that way more than he ever showed <coughs> That's true, talent. that's yeah. true. And I, like, I wished that he could work through it, but he couldn't. He's, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, what didn't go well, or what went wrong, was that the team had no uh, spine. And countless games were... 
uh, lost or drawn because they were up one nothing and they couldn't hold on. And whether that was uh, tactics um, or whether it was just the team not having confidence, um, they, they repeatedly did that. The, the season should have been Minnesota's in a clip. But I should be beardless right now. You well, should be. I'd have to wait till next Sunday. The, the, right. Who knows about the semifinals, <laughs> right. but or the finals? But at least they should have won spring, fall, and and combined. Because even with what it was probably ten games, we should go back and figure that out how many games they actually dropped like that. Um, you know, it was at least five games where they they gave up a. Goal in the last couple of minutes. And well, with three games to go in the spring, they were in the driver's seat to win, yeah. and they collapsed. With four games to go in the fall, they were in the driver's seat to win it, and they collapsed. Mm-hmm. That's and and they got off to a bad start to begin the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's three huge holes right there that are very obvious, you know. And that's not counting exactly what Wes said. How many times they capitulated. You know, to, to goals after the what was it that we figured after the seventy fifth minute they gave up like thirteen goals yeah. or yeah. some craziness like that. That's insane. Yeah. Well, and I think in in the season was kind of a microcosm of of every game, or I should say that the, every game was a microcosm of the season where you'd see individual players showing flashes of brilliance, where you say like, "Wow, this is really amazing talent." And you have those games where we did amazingly well, and you start getting really excited. But then by the end, again, it just petered out. And you'd have those heartbreaking moments towards the end of the game and towards the end of each season. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was a question that I was seeing asked right from the beginning of this year, before we even played a ball competitively, which was, we're getting a lot of midfielders. We haven't reinforced the defense. The weak point of the season looks to be the defense. Now, I remember very clearly Bill Stenros actually mentioning this on an episode to United fans. That, to me, was something that kept going wrong. Now, is that... Do we think the defense was actually an issue? Well, I mean, the way they wanted to play, no. But the way they did play, yes. You know, because the plan was to possess the ball and and outmaneuver other teams and outscore them. And We actually did a lot of that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, they were the third best team in the league. They did a lot of that. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the uh, uh, earlier tonight, you're talking about winning games three to two instead of two to one. Like that was a conscious decision we made. We actually did kind of a lot of that kind of play. We did control possession most of the games, Uh, even if even if it wasn't always clinical passing, finding that final pass. It was uh, uh, we did, but unfortunately, it took a moment. It only ever took a moment to unhinge that. One good counter. Uh, I'm, the team looks lost without Tiago. Tiago is the fulcrum of all the passing. Goes everything goes forward through Tiago. He controls everything well. Uh, I think without him, it was a problem. I think Cristiano Diaz did have some good moments this season, but then it was quite obvious that he was not the answer there until you had to move pitch back there. There was a lot of movement. Throughout the, uh, in Let, the formation. Let's talk about that for a minute, actually, because we mentioned before that Diaz had to be dropped because of an international spot. Seven international spots allowed for a team when Alejandro Vela, <laughs> Vela with Quesadilla, comes into our squad. Uh, we we have to see Cristiano Diaz drop because Diaz is Brazilian. Is that a decision you guys make? Well, I thought it's a huge, huge legal error on the team's part because Cristiano Diaz has been in the United States for how many years? How does this guy not have a green card? 
That's crazy. It's still. I think the green card still means you count as an international. No, no, not, no, no. no. Not at it's, all. He doesn't have a green card. From and what that, I understand, that's insane yeah. because he's been in the United States for six, seven I, years. I think so, the larger question is: if I if I say if I do my little scales thing and I go Cristiano Diaz, Jason Mora, what the fuck is Jason Mora doing on that team? Is he still? an international? He is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pictures really? of people with sheep. Yeah, he <laughs> I, like obviously right he has something. Write ups in ESPN FC Asia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> I guess that's, a, that's a good point. I, didn't I mean, even Jason, think of that and one. Yeah. especially because I I think it's because Jason Moore could fill in as a central midfielder, but I would rather you drop Christian Ramirez in as a central midfielder yes. than see Jason Moore. I would ever rather have Cristiano Diaz as a central <laughs> midfielder. I'm just <laughs> saying <laughs> there are two guys in Singapore right now who are really upset listening yeah, to this conversation. Yeah, yeah, okay, they would, Moore <laughs> they're, they're following his career with. Well, can rap I just interest. say fuck those guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I haven't even sworn yet on this podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna catch up, Matt. I was hey, who, was, who was the best left centered player on the balance of the year? What uh, do you mean left center? Left center back. Left center back. Oh, left center back. Barra, oh. Sorry, left center back. Oh. Has to be Barra. Oh no, no, no he's center back. Center back. Oh, center. Well, who back. are our candidates? Okay. Pitch cold. So, pitch cold. Yeah, pitch yeah. Cold. I mean, pitch. Sure. Brent played a couple times. Yeah. Uh, um, and then Diaz. Diaz. But I mean, pitch is pitch more value there than anywhere else on the field that he was playing this year? Yes. Because he has to make less passes, and he's a terrible passer. He's really good at collecting the ball calmly and just getting it off his feet, but if he has to be in the center of the field or further up and actually helping control the offense, he he can't do that. He doesn't have the feet for it. Mm -hmm. I think both Jordan and Vincentini are better in the holding role than Fitch was. Way better. They can both run, too. He can't run Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, but the... It all goes back to talking about the center backs, which is that um, at the beginning of the season, everyone knew that the center backs needed to be Everyone except for Manny Lagos, when you talk to him, will not acknowledge that as a problem in some ways. He'll talk about, at the beginning of the season, he was talking about reinforcing certain areas and not about center back. But he also has talked about, at other times, center backs are the hardest position to fill. You can't, like, when they went out and found Tiago, he was saying... I want to find Reversio. Uh, that guy, we need that guy. So where can we find him? And they found this guy, Tiago, and I think that has been a, one of the best signings of the United era. But it's not that easy to find that. So how do you replace Tiago? How do you find people? I don't think Brent Coleman has... He's had a couple of good moments, but he doesn't look like he's going to be starting next year or something like that. Um, pitch, I don't think... It's anyone's dream that he would be starting there next year. So they need to find two center backs in the offseason. That's not easy. Yeah, because looking doomsday situation, I mean, Tiago has a lot of minutes on his legs in his career too. So let's say you go into Indy or you go in the weeks before and Tiago gets banged up and he's out for the rest of the year. What depth do you have to rely on at that point? I want someone who, this year, my, I mean, my issue is when Billy Forbes, Omar Cummings, and a dude whose name I'm not forgetting, the three-pronged San Antonio attack were all running at us with all of their speed. I was going to say Eric Tassley, but he Ro- wouldn't be Ro- running. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. no he was the sub. His name is Robert Paulson. So who would run? His name is Robert Paulson. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another hypothesis at you guys. Escobar? No. Uh, Rafael. Or, uh, not, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Castillo. 
Yeah. Uh, no, he was in midfield. Those, anyway, forget it, forget it, forget it. That, we don't need to talk <laughs> yes, about the yeah, San Antonio no. Scorpions who might know you. Dead anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, don't rest in peace, Bass. Here's, here's the hypothesis I'm <laughs> going to throw at you guys. JC Banks mm-hmm. didn't work out. Well, well what, 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 by what criteria? By what You're criteria? He was brought in player. as a USL star, as someone who scored a lot of goals in that league who was an attacking talent, who was going to put a lot into the net. And he did. I think that's your perception, and I think it's wrong. I, I, you bring in a USL star, I, I put about as much stock into that and translating into success as our teams, bringing in a Singaporean star to expect success on our team. Sure, sure. I, I'm just asking, like... No, uh, you, you think back to the previous season, they did that with Christian Ramirez. Mm-hmm. He scored a lot more goals than J.C. Banks did. So what was Banks' impact this year? Banks Banks was there um, as a good backup choice and a good substitute, and he did. He had a. He, right. I would say in his appearances, you know, he had he had quite a a few high percentage of good minutes on the field when Competent. he was out there. Yeah, he was running. He 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 scored a couple of goals, and particularly one last minute. Really good goal. Who was that for? Who was that against? I forget. In the in the last couple of months, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that that's exactly what you want to be able to bring in. Bring in these depth players um, because you know you still have Mendes there, who um, you know you'd you'd like to replace. And you know we're forgetting that Jamie Watson started the season really promisingly, and then we lost yeah. him. And who knows how that could have gone? Um, and so. I think J.C. Banks, I, I, I think that that was a good signing. And I think that he's someone who next year you'd want to keep around. Mm-hmm. I thought that he had some good play off of Christian Ramirez, especially once you hit September and October. There were a couple of games there where they had 45-plus minutes working off of each other, and it, it looked promising. It looked like that's something that you could build off of in the future. I like your phrase, USL star. I think that'd be a good name for some sort of like garage band. <laughs> the USL stars, I think that that has a lot of potential as an oxymoron. Um, but I think that looking forward, uh, Banks was robbed of a lot of minutes towards the beginning of the fall season, the middle of the whole campaign. And I, I would like to see him on the field more, and I think that's something that you could expect if he's with the team next year. I, I disagree. I, I, I think their goal has to be to put guys in front of him so that he doesn't have to be relied on to get those kind of minutes. I think he's brought in as a backup. You need competent backups. He was a competent backup. He didn't light the team on fire. Wasn't supposed to. That's not his definition of success. His but, he, def- but he's also brought in to, to push for that spot. You don't want guys who are brought in just as backups. You want guys who are right. who are there to push each other and fight for that spot. And he was the it, one who had right. the sorry. Uh, he was the one who had the best chances towards the end of the Ottawa game on Sunday. He had a couple of very good chances after the hundred tenth minute to equalize the game again. And was there ever a game when he came in and the team went backwards at his position? I would say no. I think he always at least kept it where they were. You know, I think I can position. only remember. I think there was only one game I thought he was really bad. Could be. Um, I'd be curious. I know Nor- you know Northern Pitch did player ratings for every single game yeah. and every player, and I'd be curious to see what his season average was. Yeah. I bet it was pretty decent. I bet it was like just over six, which mm-hmm. is really really good. I'm gonna keep throwing out some dumb opinions so Joe can disagree with them. I want to keep doing that through this yeah. through this whole yeah. thing. Can I, <laughs> can I add one of my uh, yeah yeah yeah? Go ahead. What went wrong scenarios? Um, 
they didn't have any plan to replace Miguel Ibarra, a guy who for quite a while there had been whispers that people were coming to buy him. And they had no plan to replace him. And I think that's super disappointing. And then, you know, with Watson going down and Steele going out, and they replaced those three guys with Alejandro Vela. Or Iago. I mean... I guess so, but he was uh, he was in before that. But, um, yeah, maybe you're right. So I, they, I saw you, you wouldn't call him as the same that. role. I would say no, no, Iago is much more like forward. No, no. Do you have to make a like-for-like like replacement to say you replace? I mean, I, I, think, I think Iago was seen to be that replacement. Did it pan out the way I, you know, obviously not, but I think that was what the thinking was. I well, do they, hope... they still to eat. Okay. So add that in. That's a good one, but they still went down three and only added two, right. you know, I, you, you could see that they signed Jason Mora and Andre Gotsmanoff. That doesn't count. In my book. <laughs> it does not count. Let's talk about Gotsmanoff in a half second, but I just want—I do want to make the point. I hope Iago does turn out like Ibarra. Now, I don't know if we're even going to have him come back next year, if, but if Iago comes back, I would be very surprised. I, I mean, ta- if you're talking about hype that quickly dwindled, I mean, when Iago's first appearance four minutes out of United was. Miguel Ibarra's last game, it was the uh, uh, the Club Leon friendly. And when Iago came in, there were like two or three moments where he did these beautiful stepovers and there were like stars coming out of his feet. <laughs> and you could see like men and women just falling over and getting the vapors and having to like loosen their bustles. Well, and how about how angry the Leon players got at him? Yeah, it, it was, was like... <laughs> and it was just like, holy shit, this is going to happen. And then, of course, like, he did three stepovers and crossed it uh, up into, <laughs> up into <laughs> like, and hit Alan Willie in the head or something like that. But but then... Alan Willie was, was a forward. That's your, yeah. yeah. He, he could have headed it in That's 30 but, years I ago. Mean, Yago did... I would say had maybe three good moments after that. None of them involved with putting the ball into the back of the net. Right. True, he didn't score, but even even before he came to Minnesota United, he only scored one goal. Yeah, if you look at his well, whole I, record, I mean, I'm just saying, like, did say, he cross yeah. to anyone I, and connect with a person? I, I who's thought on he, his I own thought team. he showed a little bit more down there. I think he's very raw, and he is only 19 years old. When you look at how old he is, he is. A little boy. He is not very old. I think there's a lot of talent there inherently that if he learns to channel it a little bit better, which I think Ibarra, I wasn't here when Ibarra first came in, so I can't speak to how he was, but a lot of his story has been development. And I think that's what I'm saying. If he can be the next Ibarra, where if he comes back next year and this is someone that but our he team says. speak English. How do you put your arm around a 19 year old kid and tell him, how does Donnie Mark? Take one-on-one sessions like he does with Christian Ramirez, and talk about what uh, talk about their game. They can't do it. True enough. I, I mean, I think that's a challenge that the team has to get over if they're going to achieve this goal. But I think that's something that's worth investing in because this is a kid now who's come here very far from home. He did it when he had like a <laughs> a new family member who was only a couple months old, and mm-hmm. he did a lot of risks. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a sense of investment. And I think if you train him well. It could pan out to something. But like you said, there's a lot of challenges, and he is very, very raw. You have him train with someone like Giuliano, maybe? Someone who shares a language is a much better technical player. And they Mendez. Don't I mean, Mendez. And Mendez would yeah. be another who would fit the But they, they are. I mean, at, at training, it is the Portuguese, uh, you know, click. I mean, they all, they all do. So there, he, he came into a situation where, thankfully, there was a lot of people to make him feel comfortable. I'm sure he's sleeping on Tiago's futon um but 
but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, if I'm Manny and I'm looking at it, there wasn't enough to for me to bring him back. Well, I'm sure, they'd have to pay good money to yeah. do that. That's the problem. You could keep a project player as somebody who is uh, who's getting spot minutes. Um, but I don't think they're paying him spot minute money, and and with the move to MLS and kind of thing about blowing up the roster, you know, not in not too long, does he fit into that picture? So uh, I'm just going to throw one more thing into what went wrong, which is Jamie Watson <laughs> getting hurt. But we don't need to belabor that point because we all, already spoke about it just a little bit. Anyone have any other what went wrong things before we take a quick break? Um, I, I would say, I mean, we, you brought up Gatsmanov. If you look at the signings, which are Injak, Ibsen, Yago, Khalif. Steele, Banks, Vela, Gatsmanov, Jason. That's a lot of players coming into this team. I'd say the the big disappointments are Yago, Steele. Um, Gatsmanov was just baffling, and Jason. Um, that's not even about Gatsmanov. That's that's the choice to sign him. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's, it's bizarre. Um, you know, Vela, I do think worked out. I think that um, it was a very low risk thing. They brought him in, basically signed him on like a four month contract because um, he was out of contract, and I think that he played decently. You know, he he like J.C. Banks never really had a bad game. He didn't didn't blow anything up, but you know, if if Khalif was having a bad game, you could bring in Vela and he would at least stabilize things. And Khalif was a bit more. Hit or miss, hot and cold. I don't think Yago was a disappointment, though. Oh, okay. Because of his age and inexperience and being so far from home and all those things. So I think he was... I think the only disaster, truly, was was Steele. Steel. I mean, yeah. uh, Gotsmanoff and Mora were both just shrugs for me. Like, what the fuck? Why bother? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but why have we not talked about Khalif at all? Like, Because we're, we're talking about, about what went wrong. wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we're talking about what went right, even... I'm curious. So I was very I'm curious about, about like, yeah. Do, was there okay? Was well, there, let's, let's get to Khalif in just a little bit. We'll <laughs> okay. Take a break. I just want to say one thing about Gosmanov, which is how much were we paying him, and he did have one assist. Yeah. So maybe we he, he was, won a couple fifty fifty balls too. So I yeah. owe him like forty bucks. He had the, he actually had that. There was like that first game when everyone's like rolling their eyes. He played well that first game. So yeah, I, I thought he did actually a second game too. Yeah. So yeah, I think he played like three games total as an, a substitute, and yeah. he was like okay. He wasn't. Horrible. So he wasn't Mora. No. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get a shameful red card. Yeah. Can I just bring up one more? What went wrong? And just kind of throw this out and hear what you all have to think about it. Um, set pieces, both on kicking them and then defending them. Um, we saw some breakdowns with the wall. Um, some notable ones. One in Edmonton in particular oh. stands out. That just trickles Sweet under their Jesus. feet. Yep. And then. Um, kept rotating through who was taking kind of the, the open field ones and the corner kicks and with mixed results. So I was just kind of curious as a, a last breath before a break. What do you all have to think That's about That's your that? turf, Bruce. Well, yeah, iron skill at City. Yeah. Right? I mean, the most baffling thing was they kept trying that stupid, you know, short corner, uh, you know, with Venegas pushing it to Khalif and then running. It was so weird. Okay, do that once in a while. But they do it game after game after yeah. game after game. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? It was you, so bad. You know bad. that everyone has a Betamax. They're all watching this. You know? <laughs> it was so bad. It was unbelievable. You, you just know? still need to continue the Betamax yeah. today. I'm, Atlanta is like, well, shit, how are we going to replace our equipment? <laughs> Gary, Gary Smith was like, hi, I've got this Betamax. We can use it. 
play, play. Oh shit! It's all my, my pornography. <laughs> well, this just seals it, doesn't it? Atlanta's done. Yeah, they're done. I mean, yeah. well, they, they they had already <laughs> stripped and sold everything. And then he thought, <laughs> that's why he had to bring his own personal yeah. Betamax in. Right from the Smithy household. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, we can watch old Connor Casey goals from from uh, MLS. <laughs> all right, guys. With that, we're gonna take a quick break. Be right back. back everybody with the brain trust here in my little apartment you know guys the ceilings here are six and a half feet tall bruce is six and a half feet tall i'm yeah yeah i i, I have friends who hit their heads on that little uh, breast shaped west just does ceiling just by standing yeah yeah that's impressive yeah, I, I really want to get out of here, but it's served, served well for two United fans. You know, it's our video studio. Has, uh, I actually had Bruce in the bedroom filming stuff. Oh, well, duh, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, now we're filming the audio pod over Which here. We made good money off Bruce right? is, yeah. Bruce's boudoir. <laughs> me, and, me and Notch. Yeah. <laughs> we use condoms. It was fine. <laughs> well, speaking that of... A, uh, that is a niche porn market. It's okay. By the way, speaking, niche makes money, too. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of artificial materials... I got, a, I got a confession. Those uh, plants over there are fake. Nice. That's my like impressive thing about this apartment. Anyway, yeah, getting back to be. getting back to soccer uh, <laughs> and away from my apartment. Confessional moments. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing we got is best and the worst. Now, what do you think has been the best things about 2015, and what were the worst? There's some obvious picks here that you can go for, or you can go for obscure. Well, we're talking, I mean, if we're talking on pitch stuff, I think I would say Justin Davis, which we talked about. But off the pitch, the fact that we went into this year and spent most of this year, most of 2015, in uncertainty. I mean, uh, even at, at, in January, we still had to say the name Ziggy Wilf. And now we can, we can just do it when we... And, just make uh, glowing, happy jerk-off motions when we do it. It's like, oh, Ziggy Wilf. So, that's right. so I, I mean, that's the biggest change. We know we have a future. We know there's a stadium. We know there's a uh, an MLS. Uh, and so that's that's the best for me. No more apocalyptic shit. I'm touring houses in that era, by the way. I took the opportunity yeah. to like, see if there's something. Because uh, that'd be great, you know, having a few backyard barbecues and then walk to the game. That's incredible. Middle of the city. Middle of the city. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think one of the other highlights Wes is wearing it tonight is that hat. That amazing uh, hats that they made. Can, by, you, hear, can you hear this by, hat? Um, what's the company that made those again? Ebbets um, Abbot, Field. Field. Oh, these beautiful flannel wool gray caps with the red loon eye on the top I mean, that's the best part of the 20 one of the best i will say the I merchandising just, was good those hats are fantastic yeah in general the merchandising was good this year but i mean let's not let's not that's not something we should spend a few minutes talking about other things i, was, <laughs> I, I disagree <laughs> the best of this year okay the best the best the highlight of the entire year the second half against carolina in September, when they came out after ha- playing a horrible first half, zero zero tie, and they made two changes at halftime, mm. and and then they made the third change in the sixty fifth minute, and they absolutely steamrolled Carolina three nothing. Mm. 
Man, that second half was as good as it gets. They were phenomenal. They crushed Carolina. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah, I remember walking out of that game. That was literally the highlight of the whole season right there. Yeah, I remember walking out of that game, and I think we actually talked after that one, just saying if they can keep playing like this, you know, there was so little to worry about. I think this is about the time where they had, like, they had control of the overall table as well as the fall table from that foreseeable point. They had already, I think the week before that, beaten Ottawa in Ottawa. It was right around that time. It was within that month. And it, things really were looking up, and that was probably, yeah, you're right, the best 45 minutes of soccer they put out this season. Worst has to be the Indy 11 game in October, where we, where Ottawa had just dropped points the week before, allowing us to go in and snag the fall season, and we do an exact repeat of the previous year. And we played a game that was atrocious. Dude, the worst team in the league at that point, if not the season, and drop the game 3-1. Brent Coleman's scoring was cool, but you know. But they got whooped. Yeah, they got destroyed, whooped. dominated. Yeah. It's a terrible good... team that refuses to win at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only good thing about that whole game was that all the way down and all the way back, Jim Oliver and I listened to metal. What were you listening to? Oh, yeah, you guys traveled yeah. oh, a million one. different things. <laughs> Twenty hours of metal. It was incredible. Right. I just want to mention absolutely I... no one else I know ever wants to listen to that. So it was just phenomenal. You guys have done a bunch of road trips together, too. First time ever. Really? Yep. I thought you guys had talked about metal before. Oh, it's cool. Now you got a road trip, buddy. Well, it's probably once in a lifetime. It's a one, one time special. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise... Yeah, the game was shit. First yeah, no, time right? <laughs> I can ever remember, in the 70th minute of that game, and it was still only 2 nothing at that point, I thought, I never feel this way in any game. I was just like, God, can we just like go to the party? Can they just call this game right now and we can just leave and go to the party? I never feel that way. And and that, that game in Indy this year, I felt that way. And I thought they were actually even worse in the Open Cup against St. Yeah, Louis. that was the worst game of the year. Even though they weren't mind. as bad on the field, that was just painful. It scaled to the opposition. I mean, you know, uh, God, there's, there's yes. no reason against that kind of opposition. It should have been as poor. Well, as it was. Oh. That's also you're watching this, this display and you're listening to a guy who's like, he's going out there to kill them. He's he's punched him in the back. And like all that other crazy it's stuff bizarre, that St. Yeah. Louis commentator said who was just a complete homer. It was nuts. By the way, Bruce, I just wanted to mention, going to that party last year, I went to last year's October loss in Indy. And that was probably my depressing moment of 2014, standing among 10,000 Indy fans. It probably, probably more like a 1,000 When they stormed bar. the pitch. Well, they won a game. A actually, game, yeah. at the bar afterwards, all of them standing up in this two-story bar and singing their songs, and I'm just standing there being like, "Man, why can't we... <laughs> all I want is this moment?" Except in my like my city, and hopefully with what you were saying before, with our new stadium, we can get a nice clubhouse, massive place where we all we can all collect in a big group. So that party for me was so depressing, but last year, but that, that uh, was their first home win. That took all season to get it. I mean, they deserved that moment. Oh, for sure, it was but, beautiful. Uh, but was you didn't, beautiful. you didn't have to be there. For <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, it was, that it was, was the part. That's when you get up. If and I leave. was an indie fan, it would have been very beautiful. But I wasn't. But let's get back to this year, Jeff. What you got, man? For the best or the worst, both, man. Um, I think we've kind of covered them actually. I think the best was looking at the development of the fullbacks, looking at the development of some of these players that have been with the team for a couple of years. Um. I mean, Christian had a rough spring, but going off of last year, he got back into form with the fall. Miguel looked good at the spring, was getting his call-ups, and then got sold off. Uh, Both of the fullbacks 
had some good growth on both ends of the ball. Um, so I think the best was just pure player growth. Uh, it's tough to look at it from the perspective of the full team because the full team did not meet the expectations that I think any of us in the room really had for them going into the year. As far as the worst, it's got to be the Open Cup. Um, I, I, sure. I just had thoughts that this could be off of the heels of the MLS announcement just before the season. I was hoping they could make a run at it and really make a statement about this team, this club, about the coach, everything, and just fell flat. Yeah, it was an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It was a brutal drive down yeah. too. Mm. Yeah, you know. But I had an old duffer in the stands in St. Louis who turns out had been a NASL player oh, yeah. for St. Louis mm-hmm. way back in the day, back, and, yeah. and he said to me um, at halftime, he said, uh, "Is your team uh, semi-pro?" <laughs> 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 I was like, "Oof, oof, yeah. They are that awful. You know, yeah. I, I'm looking at my, my notes about players, and um, one player who hasn't come up is Greg Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that Greg uh, Kenneth, my man Kenneth, um, he I think he's a great midfielder. He's one of my uh, he's a very underrated player. He does a lot of different things really well, or lots of things well. Um, you know, he's not Ibsen, but. Um, I thought that he had a really great season. He had a really terrible semifinal. I thought he was really bad, but um, he had very few games like that where I thought he he was making mistakes. He, he had a, he had a role on the tab. I, I think as much as anything, he had a, a role that he could fill in this particular mm-hmm. team and the way it was set up, and he filled a gap that uh, strategically that w- was there, and maybe a, a pushing pitch to the back opened up an opportunity for him to yeah. uh, do what he mm-hmm. does better. Uh, he is absolutely, i got to say, as far as players go, one of my favorite human beings. I, I interviewed him at the start of this year, calendar year, and I put up a video with a few of his highlights from back in the day that his family has, had filmed. And since then, I'm pretty sure I've had three of his immediate family members follow me on Twitter and like random tweets where I mention him. Yeah. And I gotta say, like that, it's just endearing, man. He's 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 a really nice guy, but on the pitch, he's a beast. He's far more physical than you would ever expect someone with his face, hair, <laughs> eyes. Uh, his For a human height. completely composed of tofu, right? Yeah, he has spine. He really does. That. I've seen him make a couple of like revenge tackles. Yeah, he's like a to- piece of tofu made out of pork ribs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, you what? know. Wow. I, yeah. I love that man. I really do. I, I do hope he comes back. Yep, I would. I you would we, go ahead and say if you're looking to secure players for the next level, if he's not the first player you call, he's right up there. I think he is with how versatile he can be too, and his for age. MLS. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he has a chance at that level. No, I don't you think know? so either. No. The no. problem with the problem is that um, he, you know, if you only get a limited number of players you can bring into MLS, mm-hmm. you can find. Players like that, including my man Dylan Powers, who Dylan I hear Powers. is available. <laughs> but uh, this is your podcast, not mine. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, there, there's. I don't want to diminish what he did because he played great, but he doesn't have the soccer skills that that you want. I mean, he's got the tenacity and the willpower. I mean, yeah. that's what he brings more than anything. Is he was the one guy who, even having a poor game in the semifinal, he left everything he had on that field. And can you name another Minnesota player in that semifinal that even after 120 minutes was drained? Sammy Najok gave everything. Sure, at but the, well, 
Yeah. The other guy, I would outfield, pick, but, outfield, yeah, outfield, outfield player, yeah, 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 yeah. Goalkeepers yeah. are not soccer players, so come on, get with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just to keep, just to keep moving. One thing I did want to ask was, you, you know, you earlier, you Jeff, you brought up uh, Christian. I want to talk about Christian and Pablo. This year, at the start of the season, a lot of questions: Are we going to play a two up top? What happened? We did for a little while at the start of the year. We did again a little bit later. We had both of them on the pitch at the same time. What do we think in terms of Christian and Pablo individually now? End of the year. Does Pablo come back next year? I don't. Uh, you know, it's really it's unclear who, who's. We'll find out probably next week or so um, who's coming back. But sure, um, I don't. I, Pablo's. Getting paid pretty well, right? Probably, so I doubt he would be brought back. I agree. Um, Can we graph them into one player? In both uh, of them, and, yeah, with like Christian's youth and skill, and Pablo's tenacity and and smarts. If you can guarantee those are the pieces that'll stick. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, right. you could get the opposite, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you could get the old guy who falls down constantly. Right. Who's also afraid of defenders. Yeah, like uh, Christian is afraid of center backs. He's terrified of contact. He I'm did, convinced of it now. He didn't go massive. after. He didn't go after a single 50-50 ball all season long. Not it's, one. It's, it's There's funny no weird. center backs in the league afraid of him. None. Was, they was, should be terrified of him. I was talking after the Ottawa game about Tom Heineman said he's like the anti-Christian. He's somebody who just he'll just knock somebody on the ground for fun, and uh, he's a poach. He's a poacher. You know that's that's his skill set. Worked that game, obviously. Uh, I the, the first article I wrote this year for Midfield Press uh, was a recap of the spring, and I said, if you think for a second that Christian is not going to find, through some permutation of events, a way back into this lineup on a consistent basis, you're out of your fucking mind. And that's exactly what happened. He ended up finding his form with that extra time. I thought all he needed was the more time. We just bought I mean, you listed off how many new, new signings were brought in. Some of those were later in the year, but we started the year with a lot of new signings, too. There was a gel element. It took longer than it should have. Um, but I thought that having a midfield gel underneath him was all he needed to do the kind of thing that he does, which is uh, uh, t- to break free on goal, things like that. Eventually he did that. Not in the last month. Not in the last month. Do you think he should have started out the season in the same place where he ended 2014 rather than being in a hybrid role of Pablo coming back? I don't think his problem... I mean, in the game, if you look at the games where he struggled... I don't think his problem was Pablo being there because he struggled in games at the beginning of the season where it was just him up top. And I think that he has a lot of really great things about his game, but I have a really hard time sometimes putting my finger on what he does. Um, he does like He's a really good player, but he's, he's not as easy to define as, uh, as Pablo or even as like Miguel was, you know, and so I think that he um, definitely found himself, found his confidence. Um, I don't think his confidence ever waned. Um, but, yeah, he, he just, some players go through bad times. And I think it was hard for some fans to deal with the fact that everyone loves Christian. He's a very loved player. But some players just go through bad times. Yeah. And you got to bench him and put, force him to work through it. And he worked right. through it. And I think that he responded really well to that. He dropped his head sometimes, but he pushed on and he and he came back. And I think that I don't know what happened to him during that semifinal because he was invisible. Well, it's because again, he, the two center backs were not afraid of him. 
so they could go after every ball. They were not never afraid to lose the ball in a challenge with between him. minute seventy and I did. I thought he was subbed out in minute seventy. Literally in the hundred tenth minute or something, he was part of a play, and I was like, "Whoa." Where did he? Where did he come from? Right. Did they sub him back? Is this college well, rules? Maybe well, that uh, was, was uh, Dummy Heineman tried to eat him, yeah. and then he had to regurgitate yeah, yeah. him in minute right. 110. Um, Otto, Ottawa's playstyle is a kind of playstyle that's not conducive to Christian's playstyle because he's not a target forward. Correct, and he never will be. Correct, he's a second forward. I also you know? think that Christian does a lot better. So, so when when I see a player like Kevin Venegas coming forward, I see him more often looping in crosses to the middle. When I see someone like Justin Davis get forward, I see him putting balls on the turf more toward the middle. I think that's more conducive to the to our skill set, to uh, the style that we play. And I think Christian thrives better when he's getting that kind of service as well. I mean, when you can't, I, I can't say how many times I saw balls going through the air to him, and it, it seemed like a waste of an effort. So you mentioned Khalif earlier, Wes. Let's yeah. talk about Khalif. Khalif, the best, is what I would argue. Hypothesis: Khalif Alasan, one of the best things of the year. Okay. <laughs> yes or no? I don't know. I'm. I'm not. I, I think he had some great moments, but I'm. That's why I was really curious what other people thought. I. I don't have a real opinion. On I think Khalif, when he when he was transferred over to us, a bunch of Portland fans said this is a guy who can play really well up until he gets the ball to goal and he sails straight over to the net. Yeah. And we saw a lot of that this year. Sure. But a few times he had spectacular goals when he did score. He again had that tenacity, the work rate, the kind of excitement factor. But there were some games where he just melded into the background with everybody else. You know, and you, you almost can't. I mean, everyone had that on this team. So everyone had a few games where they're ghosts. Um, well, if they didn't, you, they'd, they'd be in MLS. Right, yeah. He'd be yeah, poor absolutely. now. Um, you think about um, what happened when Khalif started to get regular minutes toward the end of the spring. That, for me, was the, the value that he added. Because it, it felt dead. That we, we had a long streak of times where we were giving up goals late. Uh, we had major midfield problems in a way that I don't think uh, we had even that serious midfield problems throughout the rest of the season. When he started to get regular minutes, it was like a tonic. Um, that that he seemed like he could he could uh, uh, he had that tenacity. You're absolutely right. Uh, I think he had he had good control of the ball. He could he could uh, uh, put passes in that that would spring someone like Christian if he was getting minutes. Um, you know, he was a shining star at a pretty dark moment. At least he earned a st- well, his he, consistent starting minutes. He was in the same spot as Steele, and Steele was still getting time. And then Khalif, when Steele kind of got shit canned, I don't, I don't think he was only Khalif. good because he was brighter than the darkest lump of shit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, was, I think he was good. I really do think. He yeah, was yeah, good. no, but yeah, that's in part why it was like, oh, he finally shored up this part of the field where there was mm-hmm. this guy who would just basically kick the ball in because he just. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't care. Couldn't yeah, be bothered. Right, yeah. The one thing I thought that Khalif Al-Hassan added to the team that very few other guys could was he had unpredictability. You didn't know what was coming. You didn't know if he was going right or left. You didn't know sure. if he was passing or shooting. You didn't know if he was going to dribble at you or drop the ball back and start it over again. Yeah. I think so. That, often that's a great thing. He, he had know? a great chemistry. It would not per- not always. Everybody had dark times, but I think he had a great chemistry with Justin Davis. I think the way they could overlap on the left was awesome. Mm-hmm. Hypothesis for the worst: Mitch Hildebrand. When you look at his goals average, uh, goals against average. For the overall 2015, I believe he was second for the league. Wow. Minimum three appearances. 
which 2014 good, good or bad? second like worst. Best? Worst. worst. Oh, I was gonna oh, say okay. yeah, that didn't sound right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna go. He's not a good goalkeeper, so that must have been a fluke. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> well, okay. and he's so a backup goalkeeper too. You know, I mean. How should we run him out of town with pitchforks? He's a backup goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I just thought he was far better in 2014 than he was this year. Or maybe the league just improved and he stayed the same. But uh, maybe. No, I, I don't. I didn't see anything last year that made me think he was going to be a viable starter this year. You have you any know? other opinions that you'd like to share with us tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll keep going. But um, any other things? Uh, let, let's move on to moments that we remember that we haven't talked about yet. Things well, that we just quick stick last thing that yeah, sure, I didn't, sure. didn't like was they still do not have any kind of youth movement in this team at all, and I think that's a real issue for the future. You know, they the only young kid was the one that they brought in on loan. Everyone else is twenty four and twenty five and older. It was really telling when they released the Young Player of the Year awards through the NASL, and you look at the candidates. And it's listing, you know, PC, who has this many Team of the Week, and Leo Fernandez, who has done, you know, this kind of minutes on the Cosmos. And then Minnesota's one rep is Iago, who was the only player who didn't have any Player of the Week nominees on the entire shortlist, which was like 20 players long. And no counting stats. Are you talking more about uh, a reserve team and academy building? Or are you just talking about bringing in players no, who for can the grow first, into, just for the first even team. into the first team? Because okay. I don't know anything about the reserve team. As far as right. I as far as I heard from people, there's no one of note to even think about right. on the team. How old no, is I JC mean, Banks? In he's that 24, 25, yeah. you know, he's on the younger end, but still, they're under that age. You know, they they you talked have, about Ibarra growing up to be Ibarra. Um, yeah. Do we have somebody in the wings who's going to be a Barra, right? Who has that kind of potential yeah. with a few years under the belt? Well, I think Manny has said that you know Bill McGuire, when he looks at the the roster, wants to win. He wants to bring in guys who can win the game rather than the focus right now. That's for the NASL team is to bring in guys who can win rather than develop. You well more than rather that's the pri- number mm-hmm. one priority, and then developing young players probably comes somewhere else down the list. But then, and, even with that winning team, don't you have spots 16, 17, 18 out of your 18 men that could yeah, be on the field? Yeah, but, but they're all going to be obliterated when you go to MLS anyway, aren't That's they? a big hang-up for me. Is I, I, I don't, and maybe this is my shortcoming, I don't know enough about what it takes to build a team through this transition with meaning. I mean, who's going to sign with us knowing they're not going to make that move? Would and any of them and, go to USL? When we have a USL franchise in uh, Rochester, the Rochester Mayo Clinics. Yeah, Rochester Mayo Clinics. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the doctors. There's (laughs) there's a lot of things that they have to consider, and that have to be considered in the next month. And I don't see, I don't know. There's a lot of things that really worry me about the team of of whether or not they're actually prepared to do that. Um, I, I do know that Manny went out a couple weeks ago to New York, basically to go to work through the to learn the rules and things like that and, and talk to some people that's um, good to be taken through the phone book of rules you know um yeah that's but, so funny yeah in terms of who they who do they sign next year how do they bring in young players i don't know my i my idea is they should go and figure out whoever it, whoever the number one mls draft pick is going to be and just sign him to a good nasl contract next year and then sign him to an MLS contract. I, I believe Omar Salgado I is available. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moments we remember that we haven't talked about yet from this year. 
things that, that kind of stick in your head. These don't have to be like on-field game moments. These can be just random things that you think of as particularly memorable, good or bad, through the year. I think one of the great things was watching when that, that segment of the season where Ibsen kind of took over. There was like that six-game run in the middle of summer where right. he just dominated every single game. and oh Yeah, that God. run of goals, too. Oh, yeah. How many games in a row did he score? It's phenomenal. Even, even like Miguel's last game, there was that those sequences when you could see he had played enough now with Christian and Miguel and the three of them together were just, wow, that was magical. I'll give you. I'll give you a counterpoint uh, on the Ibsen point, and this is an unfair thing, but it for me it was a microcosm of the season. This uh, moment that stands out to me was he shot it like Ibsen, the author. That was uh, uttered by the St. Louis. uh, You didn't hear that because you were in St. Louis. That was uttered by the St. Louis announcer about Ibsen's penalty that he took. Uh, I had to see it. You saw it. You saw how bad it was. Right. Burned my retinas. Right. Right. So the the, uh, I had a dude behind me ask me if he was an amateur. Okay. Is an amateur? Definitely not. But that for me was absolutely a microcosm of the season. We didn't win silverware. Nobody go to uh, Arsenal and say, "Well, you lost in the first round of the FA Cup. You came in second in the league." But, you know, overall, pretty good. Second's pretty good. Nobody fucking say that. No, we had a terrible season. I felt terrible. I feel terrible. <laughs> this is doing it for hey, me. Hey, you were here to do exactly the opposite of that, man. No, I'll, I'll tell you a moment I remember, which is every single time Miguel was called up to the U.S. team, mm-hmm. sitting in bars with people, excited <laughs> to watch him come on, the Miguel Ibarra farewell tour, watching him suit up for Leon after that and you know most recently score a goal those are those are my happy memories of this year mm-hmm. is like just the joy on his face throughout that week after he got signed by Leon he was off with the US he comes back we you know through that game it's just such a it was such a memorable moment for Minnesota fans i think he's one of the most likable guys this team has seen and that was something I really remember. Can, can I come back with a positive moment so I don't have to leave on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Everybody's looking at me like I just uh, uh, did God the worst thing it, in the David. world. Yeah, Jeez. That, was, that was what I walked away with this season. I was very upset. Um, but So I'll, I'll give you a supporter's moment. Uh, game against Jacksonville in the fall, 4 nothing win. Had only been one nothing uh, going into the half. Uh, cr- uh, dark clouds were kind of mediocre that night. It was a weird night because they had the, the youth soccer tournament out there. You get a weird crowd when that happens. And uh, it was a little bit of a subdued crowd. And after a halftime, uh, the group of Brazilians come over. They're getting excited. Everybody's going crazy. It's infectious. Then we start scoring goals. We start scoring goals. Uh, and the feeling after that game was elation. It was the kind of feeling I thought that we'd have a lot more of this year. I think that's like it, when we played Indy and scored like 5-1 was the score at the end of that game. That's how I felt last, right, in 2014. Yeah. Other moments that we remember that are... There was the the one time that I can think of Christian winning a 50-50 ball in the air. <laughs> um, that was it. That was the, No, but um, he ended up chesting <laughs> it that. down. And uh, Pablo volleyed it right off oh, sure. Christian. Yep. I remember it was, that. Yep. It wasn't up for goal of the year this year, but fuck it. I mean, that was my uh, yeah. That was my it team's goal out. of the year. Yeah, yep. That was just an absolutely... Beautiful. I remember that was the one time I actually teared up during a game. Um, <laughs> and I was just, like, I was laughing deliriously, just asking, what the fuck did I just see? Like, it was a was fantastic goal. I feel I, like him. Who I mean, you against. think about, too, the goals and the assists from Venegas and Davis were most impressive mm-hmm. you know both of those guys when they stormed the net and mm-hmm. scored 
just tremendous goals. Yeah. Really powerful, really, um, you know, w- with with an almost with an anger the way they pulled it off. You know, just slicing and dicing the defense and scoring. That was just fantastic to watch. Yeah. So going forward next year. Very quickly, because we're sitting here literally days after the season has ended. There'll be a lot more time to talk about the future, but just hot takes. What do you want in preparation for next season? It's. I know this won't be a popular opinion, but that's fine. I want Brent Coleman starting at least five games in the spring season alone. Just so that you know what you have with him, and you can go into the summer transfer window and know exactly what you need to bring in. You I want, see you it. Want, you want to start him so that you know the hole that you need to no, fill? No, so that you know if there's that hole in particular. Because, okay. I mean, looking up I'll the tell you spring, this right now, it, it, there's a hole. There's a cavity. Yeah, no. yeah. But we, was, we don't need to find out anything. But he was the one... Hole in my heart, He was the one... The one center defender that I saw who had a chance with those aerial balls. And I thought that, especially on the set pieces, I thought it was something that he brought well in the middle of the summer. That was the one, like, in particular, seeing those, I watched and I said, I haven't seen anyone else of these center defensemen who's doing that. If we could, David Horst. If we could sub him in for set pieces, I would agree with you completely. Basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just bring him in, bring him out. Specialty player. Like a field goal kicker. Yeah. Football. He's great at that. He will attack the ball, and there's no one else in the team that will. I agree yeah. with you, but yeah. the defending kind of terrifies me. And he had some good. He had good moments. He had he had good games, and and, yeah. that, um, and that's fair. But uh, if you compare that to what's possible, I mean, you can't compare that to just the pool of players we have that position now. You can't. Co- I mean, you could get other people. So so God, moving along, so. what else do we need yeah, yeah. going forward? <laughs> well, I think the, the whole, the, overall, the whole team needs to get younger next year because there was yeah. just too many teams that, you know, again, late in the games, you got to wonder what was going on. Is it that the, the whole overall team is just too old, or was it their lack of killer instinct or lack of hunger or, you know? Well, and you, you associate big game playing with guys who are older, who've had more experience in big leagues. Yep. And that was something that was missing in Minnesota United a lot of times, the big game and seeing the, the holding on until the 90th minute. So, But, but at the same time, your point is well taken. Yeah. yeah, we shouldn't have had that problem, but we did. I, I think I mean, I mean, think our squad does have a lot of very aging players. Vincentini, Thiago, Pitch, Mendez... Um, Pablo Campos. Pablo Campos. It, it, it's just they need replacing. They need replacing. Well, I mean, do you, do you do that for this coming year though? Knowing that 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 there's going to be all kinds of different roster opportunities after that, and uh, I mean, do you? What can you do? And what can you do in this year? Who can you add? You could Montreal what kind impact of it, which is what they did uh, the the last year they were in NASL. Two thousand nine, I think. Or yeah, and they basically just loaded up with kids. They jettisoned their old old timers. They were terrible. And then when they got to MLS, they signed a bunch of Italian old teams. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. They signed a bunch of old Well, Orlando teams. did the same thing their last year in USL. They jettisoned all their veterans. Yeah, like the, Jamie, G- Jamie Watson. Watson. Yeah, they right. brought in a lot of young kids to see who could make it. Right. It was basically a year of tryouts. And so, right. are you... So, next year's going to be weird. Yeah, right. And are we... Like, I'm not sure people... I'm not sure if the larger fan public is, like, ready for the fact that 
who might not make the playoffs next like, year because it's, it'll it's be an experiment. Weird, yeah. yeah, and yeah. so and because they won't be able to sign the players in the same way, and they'll mm-hmm. it won't be as good of a team as as this year probably in many ways. I was going to ask that: Did but, the title window close on Sunday? Could be, but I'd rather have them make a good entrance into MLS. Yeah. Yeah, focus on the long term. Yeah, yeah. If we if we, if we can flounder in MLS, because if you with, put together a shitty team, your first uh, go round, it takes you a while. It'll take New York City FC a long time to recover. Right, not a long time, but a couple of years to recover. I think. I mean, my great fear is we go into MLS and we become like the first team to not win a single game. That's my great fear. Yeah, you know? well, we'll play Chicago. Right. Chicago. <laughs> oh, by then, it'll be a while. I mean, Rapids, I, I, I think, yeah. I think, for my part, I just want to see us next year play some fun football. Because the thing this year for me was we hyped it up so hard that everything was a disappointment after it. What I would prefer yeah. to have next year is something where things are up in the air. We don't know what's up, and I would like to see us play some fun football that I can get behind, enjoy, cheer for. And even if we lose, even if we don't make the finals, I can finish the year being like, wow, we gave it our best shot, rather than feeling like we missed our chance. I think you just need to lower your expectations chance. all the time, Matt. I think it's always a matter <laughs> of like, takes, yeah. you just need to be sadder in life. <laughs> I need more like Zoloft before the start of the season. Yeah. You yeah. know, I need to medicate myself. Hey, uh, Doc, I need a lot of antidepressants. Why? I'm a fan of this soccer team. Say no more. Yeah. I've had yeah. others like you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or do you just need to have David follow you around? You know what? I actually started taking Zoloft during the uh, the fall season. I, it wasn't because of the team, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that you mentioned that, because that's exactly fucking what my experience was. Yeah. It was great. You have been amazing. And look at me now. Yeah. Look, look at me in this room. Yeah. Nothing but brimming yeah. with positivity. Yeah. <laughs> actually, what's amazing is that... It's, it that, got me here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine what it was like before. <laughs> All right, guys. Any, any last parting thoughts before we, we before we end this thing? No, thank you, Nutch. Yeah, it, it's well. It's been fun to share a stand with all of you to meet your kids, Wes. Uh, haven't met your kids, David. I don't think a lot, as far as I know. Uh, they were playing drums for a few minutes at a at a supporters game at the Carolina game. Yeah, they came down, That's banged fun. down the drum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn oh, good. You know what? Moments to remember. The moment that an 11-year-old kid took the megaphone and led an entire stand of dark clouds in a chant. Not go. only like did that, but actually did it competently. Like no one had to help him. I just I just thought of another highlight of the moment. The duck. The, the duck. duck. Oh, we didn't mention the duck. Yeah. duck of a warrior season, man. That yeah. was incredible. Yeah. yeah. So much fun. That was that was awesome. Yeah, uh, somebody I told me that. that the DNR came and moved the duck nest. Is that what went down? I don't know if the DNR came, but they did move the duck nest. I think the DNR moved the duck nest. Yeah, a couple of times we've seen ducks flying over the stadium. After that, and I hope it's always that same mama it's our, duck. It's our ducks. It's the government man. <laughs> well, no, I, I think the NSC called them and asked them to come and. They, I mean, they didn't want to. You know. Could you imagine if, if like somebody blasted a cross and hit that duck and killed it? It would have been Jason Mora, man. <laughs> he would have uh, smiled. No, he would like that <laughs> slight tackle the duck with two studs up. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what? He would two foot the duck. I've done that on a golf course. I've actually smacked a, a duck with a golf ball and like left it. Spikes up tackle. I'm very sad. Spikes up tackle in my golf. Very sad. Notch. Secret. 
<laughs> it's like Kirby enthusiasm. Wow. Larry went after the black swan. All right, all right, all right, all right. Before before we go too far, uh, Jeff and I were referring on the other episode about different episodes that we could do later. We can talk about secret lives of all of us. Hey, Wes, David, Jeff, Bruce, thank you so much for joining on this episode of Duffcast. That's all she wrote. Thank you, everybody. We'll come back to you soon. Oh, you should. <laughs> Let's call him now. <laughs> can we call him? Can we have a call-in show? <laughs> uh, a call-out show? A call-out call show. Out. Johnny Steele, what do you think about the 2015 Minnesota United <laughs> I played for Minnesota United? When? All right, all right. I got...